or having his right hand cut off. As he still refused to appear before the court, he was banished from Florence and suffered the confiscation of his property. Taking his young wife with him, he fled to Arezzo. There, two years later, Francesco Petrarca, as he later euphonized his name, burst upon the world. Predominantly Ghibelline, yielding political allegiance to the emperors of the Holy Roman Empire rather than to the popes, little Arezzo experienced in the 14th century all the tribulations of an Italian city. Guelphic Florence, supporting the popes against the emperors in the struggle for political authority in Italy, had overwhelmed Arezzo at Campaldino, 1289, where Dante fought. In 1340, all the Aretine Ghibellines between 13 and 70 were exiled, and in 1384 Arezzo fell permanently under Florentine rule. There, in ancient days, Messinus had been born. There, the 15th and 16th centuries would see the birth of Giorgio Vasari, who made the Renaissance famous, and of Pietro Aretino, who for a while made it infamous. Every town in Italy has fathered genius— and banished it. In 1312, Ser Petraco rushed north to welcome the Emperor Henry VII as one who would save Italy, or at least its Ghibellines. As sanguine as Dante in that year, Petraco moved his family to Pisa and awaited the destruction of the Florentine Guelphs. Pisa was still among the splendors of Italy. The shattering of her fleet by the Genoese in 1284 had reduced her possessions and narrowed her commerce, and the strife of Guelph and Ghibelline within her gates left her with scant strength to elude the imperialistic grasp of a mercantile Florence eager to control the Arno to its mouth. But her brave burghers gloried in their majestic marble cathedral, their precarious campanile, and their famous cemetery, that Campo Santo, or sacred field, whose central quadrangle had been filled with soil from the Holy Land, and whose walls were soon to receive frescoes by Giotto's pupils and the Lorenzetti, and whose sculptured tombs gave a moment's immortality to the heroic or lavish dead. In Pisa's university, soon after its establishment, the subtle jurist Bartolus of Sassoferrato adapted Roman law to the needs of the age, but phrased his legal science in such esoteric verbiage as brought both Petrarch and Boccaccio down upon his head. Perhaps Bartolus found obscurity prudent, since he justified tyrannicide and denied the right of governments to take a man's property except by due process of law. Henry VII died, 1313, before he could make up his mind to be or not to be a Roman emperor. The Guelphs of Italy rejoiced, and Ser Petraco, unsafe in Pisa, emigrated with his wife, his daughter, and his two sons to Avignon on the Rhone, where the newly established papal court and rapidly expanding population offered opportunities for a lawyer's skill. They sailed up the coast to Genoa, and Petrarch never forgot the unfolding splendor of the Italian Riviera. Towns like diadems on mountain brows, slipping down to green-blue seas. This, said the young poet, is liker to heaven than to earth. They found Avignon so stuffed with dignitaries that they moved some fifteen miles northeast to Carpentras, 1315, 
and there Francesco spent four years of happy carelessness. Bliss ended when he was sent off to Montpellier, 1319-23, and then to Bologna, 1323-6, to study law. Bologna should have pleased him. It was a university town full of the frolic of students, the odor of learning, the excitement of independent thought. Here in this fourteenth century were given the first courses in human anatomy. Here were women professors, some like Novella d'Andrea, died 1366, so attractive that tradition, doubtless fanciful, described her as lecturing behind a veil lest the students should be distracted by her beauty. The commune of Bologna had been among the first to throw off the yoke of the Holy Roman Empire and proclaim its autonomy. As far back as 1153 it had chosen its own podesta, or city manager, and for two centuries it had maintained